This is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edmonds. Hi, and welcome to Show Notes, the podcast for performers. Uh, my name is Emily Edmonds, and I'm your host. And I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. Um, This was one of the, um, I guess, guiding light episodes when I was um, building up, uh, when I was building up this podcast and kind of figuring out what it would be and why it would be. Um, I mentioned in the introduction episode, this idea that, um, you know, there's like black market information um that gets passed on through singers um and performers and actors i've i've seen this i've witnessed this um you know in in many different aspects of the performance profession this idea of black market information you know it might be a taboo topic or it might be something we don't feel comfortable about are comfortable um, asking about or we might feel vulnerable when it comes to this particular area this particular area is vocal health I mean, we could talk for a whole episode about just this concept, but there is such, I guess, taboo when it comes to vocal health. Um, I think someone once said to me, um, a very, you know, successful, famous singer said to me, you know, everyone experiences some sort of a vocal crisis. And I remember having heard that in years before, and it was kind of the thing I just didn't want to hear. I didn't want to believe. I said to myself, oh no, I am like, I'm really, I'm like good at vocal health. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm informed and I'm like careful. I'm not like kind of those people where things go wrong. Now that is an absolutely horrific judgment. And I have since learned that that is not the way of the world. A body is a body and things happen, things happen. And, you know, when things happen to athletes, there is not that taboo there. And frankly, we're cheering them on when they're back on the field and hooray, this person's back from their injury. We're not, you know, questioning their technique and questioning their coaches and questioning their teachers and, you know, questioning if it was their fault or, you know, they're not questioning if it was their fault. I just think there is so much darkness and heaviness and taboo around this. And I really want to bring this topic into the light. And the way that I've chosen to do this is um, to bring some really high level information to you guys. Um, It can be so difficult to find information online about vocal health or, you know, kind of anything in this arena, it's it's really hard. There are some amazing resources and some amazing organizations out there, and I will link to those things in the um, show notes below, but it still is really hard to find clear information. Um, so I wanted to bring you guys some really clear information. I thought about a bunch of questions that I wanted to know about, and I asked someone that I really respect, um, and that's Mr. Declan Costello, who is an incredible ear, nose and throat surgeon in London. Such an amazing person. Um, So incredible, so supportive, really listens, really hears. I think it's so important that we're heard and held in that space by our medical professionals, especially when we're voice users professionally um, and it comes to something like an ear, nose and throat specialist. So um, I have a few episodes lined up for you with Declan and they'll be kind of released at intervals. 
But this very first episode, I wanted to clarify sort of a few questions that really come up uh, amongst friends and colleagues. And these are questions like, well, what even is an ENT? You know, what is it? And how do I know if I need it? Um, You know, ENT surgeon, gee, that sounds pretty extreme. An ENT consultant, my God, I don't need that. You know, if you're anything like I was, well, you know, I don't, I don't really need that. That's for people who, you know, stuff goes wrong or, you know, they, they don't know how to use their voice. Crazy judgments, just insane. Me of five years ago, come on, bro. Like what were you thinking? But if you're one of those people, I would really, I really get it. I'd really encourage you to become informed because, um, you know, a body's a body. I hope nothing ever happens to your body. But in the case that it does, I want you to be informed and I want you to feel empowered. So we're going to start with what is an ENT? What happens at an ENT examination? You know, sometimes we're afraid of reaching out. We're afraid of what's going to happen. You know, so we talk about, well, what is um, a scope uh, and what happens when I'm scoped? So if you have no idea what that is, listen on. Um, what to ask for in an appointment so that we feel like we have control in that medical landscape uh, and information, uh, how to choose an ENT when you're a vocal professional, what we can ask um, and do to feel safe and clear and supported in an ENT consult. Uh, we talk about, you know, the benefits of getting a second opinion. We talk about how to process um, any news or diagnosis that you might get and moving forward, how to plan moving ahead um, when you're working with companies, if you might get a diagnosis or some news or you need to take some time or you're sick or whatever, just how you move forward um, with companies. We talk about that as well. Um, how you ask questions in the consult so that you can really feel empowered um, and get clarity. Um, that's a big thing as well. Um, and then we talk about uh, how to know when something's wrong. You know, how do I know when to call an ENT? Uh, that can be really difficult making that judgment, especially when there are resources involved. Often it's it's not that cheap. Um, but that said, often a lot of um, ENT, um, ENTs that specialize in professional voice users um, do have a discounted rate for professional voice users that are self-paying. So if you're one of those people, do look out for that and do ask about that because there are options available. Um, and do... Do investigate and reach out to a few different people. Ask around, ask your colleagues, ask your companies, ask companies that you have worked for. It's It really feels taboo, but I can promise you it's not. They have been there. And if you need to ask for a quiet moment with you know, the company manager or with one of your mates that you trust, then, then really do. Just say, hey, I just want to go get checked out. I've been on contracts before where um, I've just had a really bad cold and I just want to get checked out so that I know you know, I'm okay to sing for the performance on the weekend. Um, And companies are so understanding and they're so supportive. So I really encourage you to reach out and ask and um, collect the information that way as well. But yeah, uh, we'll be talking about how to know when something's wrong, how to call on an ENT, how to know when to call on an ENT, how to know when to call on an ENT. I could do a little rap there. Um, And then also we talk about how to know the difference between fatigue and something being wrong. You know, those kind of warning signs. Again, it's so tricky to know, especially when there's fear involved or nerves or um, anxiety about upcoming performances. So we talk about all of those things. So um, this is the first episode that we have with Mr. Declan Costello, ENT extraordinaire. I just want to add a disclaimer to this episode. 
this uh, episode is with uh, a medical professional, but it does not uh, count as medical advice. It doesn't um, substitute for medical advice. Please go and seek support from um, your trusted medical advisor. If you don't have one, I encourage you to go out and find one and build a medical support team around you. Um, Athletes have it. I don't think performers often have it. So build that around you and get people you trust around you. Um, But again, this is um, just opinion. This is just conversation. It is very well informed and it is a conversation with a medical professional. But I emphasize it is not medical advice and it does not stand in for a medical consult. So I thought that we'd begin by talking about what an ENT actually is, because so many people don't really know what going to the ENT would be like or what an ENT really does. Yeah. Okay. So uh, an ENT surgeon uh, is an ear, nose and throat surgeon, uh, also known as an otolaryngologist or otorhinolaryngologist uh, in different uh, in different parts of the world. And uh, we the general way it works is that uh, an ENT surgeon would train as a junior doctor in a number of different uh, general fields and then would decide at some stage in the first few years after qualifying as a doctor that they want to specialise as an ear, nose and throat doctor, ear, nose and throat surgeon. And then uh, beyond that, within ENT, most people would then subspecialise in either E or N or T. And uh, I have chosen to specialise in throats and specifically within throats I specialize in voice disorders so you can get it, all specialties now are extremely subspecialized um, and my particular area that I deal with almost exclusively is voice problems which is pretty niche. Fantastic and what what does going to see you or any other ENT what does that actually involve what's going to happen when I go there? Well It'll depend, obviously, to a certain extent on what your what the issue is. I mean, if you have a problem with your voice, for example, then uh, the uh, the most obvious thing that will happen in the course of that consultation is that you will have your vocal cords, your vocal folds examined. Um, but before that happens, you will have a detailed conversation with the doctor about the nature of the problem, about your past medical history, about any drugs you're taking. Um, and specifically if you're having problems with your voice about when did it start how did it start was there a particular incident has it been a gradual thing has this been going on for years Uh, so there's a lot about the history that's really important Um, but then the key focus of uh, uh, an ENT examination from a voice point of view is looking at the vocal cords. So what actually happens when a voice is scoped for people who might not know what that involves? Okay, so there are a number of different ways of looking at the vocal cords. Just going back historically, uh, 50 years ago, people would have had their vocal cords examined with a mirror, and the patient would have had uh, their tongue pulled out by the surgeon, and a mirror on a stick at 45 degrees would have been put at the back of the throat, and the, the doctor would peer at the mirror and look downwards at the vocal cords. Now, You can kind of just about get a vague view of the vocal cords when you do that, but really not terribly clear. Um, So we then moved on from there to fibre optics, so a flexible endoscope uh, that's about a couple of feet long that's passed through the nose and that looks at the vocal cords. And there are still a lot of clinics that use fibre optic endoscopes. They're fine and they give you some general information about the vocal cords, but not terribly detailed. 
And then there are, much more recently, endoscopes have been developed with tiny cameras, digital cameras, uh, embedded on the end of a flexible endoscope, and that's then connected to a processor and a computer, and that gives you really fine detail uh, about the surface layers of the vocal cords, and that is a really super way of looking at vocal cords. So in most cases, an endoscope will be passed through the nose to have a look at the vocal cords. There is one other way of doing it, which is with a rigid endoscope, a rod, uh, that sits on the tongue and uh, peers over the back of the tongue and down at the vocal cords and that gives you a really nice image of the pliability, the surface of the vocal cords but it's a bit difficult to sing with a rigid endoscope in mm. your mouth you don't get a, uh, all that much information about the sort of dynamic processes but it's really good for looking at the fine detail of the surfaces. That's really interesting. Is there one then, say that, you know, as a singer or a professional voice user that, you know, you mentioned it's easier to sing um, with the one coming through your nose. Is there one that we should be asking our practitioner for as a singer or professional voice user? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the so the key term here is stroboscopy. And stroboscopy is a process by which the uh, vocal cords are effectively looked at in slow motion. Because when you're producing your voice, they're moving a few hundred times a second. And if you just look at them with a white light, they appear as a blur. So we've got a technique called stroboscopy where you flash a stroboscopic light at the vocal cords and you can give the illusion of slow motion. And it's doing that that allows us to pick up really fine detail about tiny little bits of tethering or scarring or those sorts of things. So for a singer, you must insist on having a stroboscopic examination of your vocal cords and you can either do that with a chip tip one of these little camera flexible endoscopes or with a rigid endoscope on the tongue should we as performers ensure that we're going to someone that does specialize in the t bit of the ent i think that's really important i think that um if you just leaf through the yellow pages and pick through the first ENT person that jumps out at you, then you're not going to be getting um, the right kind of opinion. You need to go to somebody specifically who's interested in voice disorders. There is a, a network in any given country, there will be a network of ENT people who have a specific interest in voice disorders. And it's really important that you as a singer seek out one of those people. Um, it's no good going to see somebody who has a specialist interest in ears because although they'll look at your vocal cords maybe with a fiber optic endoscope and say yeah it kind of looks okay they're not going to give you the detailed information uh, that you need and also they're not going to have an insight into what the specific needs of a singer or a performer are for a performer are laryngologists have a quite a clear understanding of the specific problems that singers uh, can encounter absolutely when performers go or when someone goes to see an ENT what can we be asking or doing or discussing in order that we are empowered with information you know what kind of questions can we be asking to make sure that we have the information we need to feel safe and clear about you know what the future might involve I think the first thing is that it's important that you go to the right person I think is probably the most important fundamental thing as somebody who you trust perhaps somebody who other people have seen because uh, there's nothing quite like a recommendation a personal recommendation for somebody who is trusted uh, that to give you confidence 
Um, any examination these days, any examination of the larynx should be recorded. There should be photographs, there should be videos. You should be given permission to take those videos away if you wish for comparison elsewhere, if you're elsewhere in the world. Um, I think it's important to go into a consultation with a couple of specific questions in your mind. Now that might be, did I do myself damage singing Verter last week? That might be, I'm just nervous that I've got an audition next week and I really want to make sure that my larynx is in good health so I want to get through that. That might be, I've got a run of shows coming up for the next three months and I feel vocally exhausted, is there a specific problem? So go in with a specific question and often one of the things I will do in a consultation is to say what brings you here today you know is it a specific thing that you're worried about in the next week or two is it a general concern are you anxious about what might be have gone on a week ago so it's just important to have a, a one question in your mind as to what you're concerned about that makes a lot of sense and you mentioned kind of being able to take those images and videos away which brings to mind the question in regards to getting a second opinion, a third opinion, obviously if it's something to do with our voice, you know, it's it's probably wise to kind of get a few different opinions. What's what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I'm I have absolutely no qualms about a patient who comes to me going for another opinion. I think it for quite apart from anything else, A, I can be wrong, I fully accept that, and B, I think it's really important that the performer has the utmost confidence in the person they've been to see, and if that involves somebody else saying, yeah, they were right, go with what they're saying, that's great, but actually you need to be really confident that that's right. And if anybody says, I don't think you should go for a second opinion, then that... To me, that speaks of a little bit of insecurity on the part of that person because I, you, we as clinicians should be open to the idea that, yeah, please go out, for, you know, seek another opinion just so that you're absolutely confident about what's going on. Um, and, you know, I see patients who've come for other opinions from other colleagues and I say, yeah, you know, this person you've seen is absolutely spot on, carry on. Or, you know, actually my perspective would be slightly different and let's talk about that. So we, we should, uh, and I think as a, as a profession, we need to be much more open to that and to talking to each other about patients. Absolutely. And when, you know, when I as a singer or professional voice user take that information away, how do I digest that information at home? You know, particularly if it's around making a decision or any treatment or, you know, I've come to the ENT and I've got particular news. How can I sort of begin to process that? Well, I think you should feel empowered to ask as many questions as you want. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There's only a question you don't ask. And you should feel empowered to ask as many questions as you want, whether that's by email or through another consultation with the doctor. Um, and uh, you, it, when you're having the consultation, it's very important that you leave the consulting room, A, with a clear idea as to what's going on, and B, with a clear idea as to what the plan is going to be, and perhaps C, you know, if I don't go with that plan, what's the alternative plan? And what would happen if I didn't go with your plan sort of thing? Mm. Um, but, you know, just the ability to ask questions and to drill into detail. And if you don't understand what has been said by the clinician, go back and ask the question, ask them to explain it again in terms that you will understand. I know colleagues that have been in the position where they've been told to come back in six weeks and you know they're in the position of working with companies they need to convey that information to a company they feel a little bit uh under informed and you know what's what's the process of moving forward there because i know that sometimes 
they have asked the questions and they've it's, they haven't got much of a response or not much information or just keep told to get coming back. I mean, what's what do we do there in that position? Well, I think if you're in a if you're in that position, you, you need clarity. There is nothing as unsettling for you and for the company and for your future as not knowing what's happening now and what the next six weeks, six months, six years hold. So I think clarity is important. Uh, I think uh, asking the clinician what is going on here and what is going to happen in the next six weeks that might change. Is there any point in me coming back in six weeks if we haven't changed anything? And uh, if there is a prospect of things getting better in the six weeks with what you've suggested, okay, that's reasonable. But actually, if you've done nothing and you're not moving forward, then what's going to be different in six weeks' time? So I think that's uh, really important. And, you know, if you're unhappy with the opinion that's been given at that time and if you feel like you're not getting the answers, then as we were saying a second ago, getting a second opinion uh, is, is potentially useful. I've been in the situation a number of times where the appearances of somebody's larynx haven't been completely clear the first time I've looked at them. It's been a bit of swelling here or a bit of something there and I've wanted to sort of tidy up the larynx for want of a better word, maybe treat some reflux, treat any allergies that are going on and that sort of thing and then see the patient back in six weeks time and it may be clear at that stage that there is a oh there is a such and such on the vocal fold and now we need to deal with that and that's a reasonable thing to do over the period of a few a few weeks but actually if you're going for six weeks without having moved forward or done anything then there's probably not much point. Yeah. In terms of, uh, you mentioned clarity uh, with communication uh, with companies, with understanding what's going on for ourselves. In your experience is, I know, I know that as performers we can be really afraid of communicating with companies. There's such a stigma around these things. We can be really afraid of communicating with companies what might be going on for us. Is Do you have any advice in terms of that, things that maybe have worked well, have not worked as well in terms of that communication aspect? It's really difficult because I understand that at different stages in people's careers that becomes less or more difficult. You know, when you're, you know, for want of a better name, Angelique Yorgu, if you say I'm not going to perform the next three nights, probably nobody's going to bat an eyelid and they'll they'll have you back on the fourth night without any difficulty. But if you're at a junior stage in your career, then I can see that people will be really nervous about stepping back from performances. Um, I think it's just... Uh, knowledge is really important for the performer and if you know that fundamentally the larynx the vocal folds look okay and there isn't an intrinsic problem then you ought to be able to get back on with performing and you know potentially the the company don't even need to know that you've necessarily been to see an ENT but if the ENT has identified a specific thing that's going to need treatment I think it is important for your sanity and as a performer Mm -hmm. and for the sake of the company that they know what's going on I think it's far better to say okay look there's a period now where I'm going to be out of action for three months I'm going to step back you're going to have to get somebody else in uh, and let's just deal with it and then I'll come back in four months time and we'll be back to where we started from Uh, but there's nothing worse I think than sort of dribbling on and desperately trying to get through the next show and through the next show it's very stressful for you so I think being up front if there is a problem is is uh, is an important thing to do Mm. how do we know when something's wrong how do we know when to call on an ENT yeah that's really difficult I mean um Singers know their voices better than anyone else, pretty much. And um, you know, generally, if you've had a bit of a cough and a cold and a sore throat, if it's kind of a bit harder to warm up, and but 
generally working okay that's one thing you know if in the middle of a performance the voice goes and you think oh that's really not right and it remains not right over a period of days and weeks after that that's much more of a concern Um, and I think singers generally know how do you uh, having said that I see a lot of singers who have a sort of niggle and they're a bit worried about something. They think probably it's all okay, but do you know what? For peace of mind, I think I'd like to see somebody just to put it to bed in my head and then I can just carry on with my life. Um, So I think rather than sitting on something and allowing it to fester in your own mind, actually just dealing with it, getting it seen and then moving on, I think is often uh, the nicest way of doing it. When we're considering whether something might be going on, how do we know the difference between something like fatigue um, and potentially something actually being wrong, especially if we might have been recovering from something, whether that be an illness or an injury? How do we kind of tell the difference? Are there any warning signs something might really be up here? Well, I think one of the key differences for me between fatigue and a kind of muscular issue, if you like, and there being a physical thing on the vocal folds, is whether the voice is ever normal. And if somebody comes in and says, you know, from the 3rd of March this year, I haven't had a single moment where I've had clarity at all. And there's always been a little, it's got a little bit better occasionally, a bit worse occasionally, but it's never been totally normal. And there's always been something there. If that's the case, then it seems to me much more likely that there is something on the vocal folds. On the other hand, if somebody says, you know, I do a three-hour rehearsal and in the last hour and a half my voice feels tired and strained and a bit tight, but at the beginning of the rehearsal when I've warmed up, it's fine, that to me speaks much more of a, um, a fluctuating muscular fatigue thing than a physical thing on the vocal cords. So that was uh, our first episode with Mr. Declan Costello, uh, where we talk all about um, what an ENT is and um, turn on some lights in regards to what happens there. How do we know if we get one? Fan bloody tastic! I absolutely loved having that chat with Declan. Um, if you love what we do, please give a five star rating and a review. It helps other people like you find our community and. It helps other people be supported and find the information that they need. So do go to your podcast platform. Give us a five-star review. Give us a review. Uh, find us on social media at Show Notes the Podcast on Instagram and um, join our conversation, our community there. You'll also get kind of updates of um, new episodes and, um, you know, any discussion and, and resources around that. And please visit bleh, 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 please visit our website, um, shownotesthepodcast.com, and you can sign up for our newsletter there as well. Uh, look forward to chatting with you next time, my friend. Bye.